we commenced a series called When God Calls. Um, uh, some of you may remember uh, what we were talking about, but we, we used the story or the account of when Saul in uh, the book of Acts was busy uh, seeking out the people of Jesus and um, arresting them for their faith in Jesus. And um, in the mid- middle of that journey, uh, the Holy Sp- well, God actually interrupted Saul and knocked him off his horse, quite literally. And um, Jesus spoke to Saul and said, why are you persecuting me? Anyway, he became blind, physically blind from the just the overwhelming encounter that that was. And his life then got turned around and he went from being this guy that was busy trying to find Jesus people and put him in prison to becoming perhaps one of the, one of the most incredible advocates of Jesus in the kingdom of God. His whole life got turned around. We explored together three things before we go to the next slide. Who can remember when so when God called Saul he not only reached into his life but he called him into three things. Now we're going to go back a couple of weeks here it, you, you may remember it. Who can remember the first one? When God calls, he calls you to, what's the first one? Oh, yes, Christ. Don't point at the board. It's all there. It's in plain sight. Don't tell anyone. He calls us into the community of Jesus, the church, and he calls us into the kingdom cause. Christ, the church, and the cause of the kingdom of God. This is what happens when God comes calling for our life. I want to talk a little bit more about that this morning, but just from a probably a little bit more of a reflective space. As uh, days like today, as a dad, sometimes I, you know, you you, you kind of wonder how you're going. As a parent, um, am I doing okay? Have I done a good job? What's going on? Um, because often, you know, we're, we're very aware of our sense of failings. We're very aware of our sense of, you know, not having achieved perhaps the things that we've put on ourselves, um, And also expectations of others that we maybe haven't lived up to. But, you know, so today I'm kind of coming to you from a bit more of a reflective space. And I'm kind of asking the question is, if I'm, if I'm not here... What remains in the, le- in, in the life of my children and possibly one day grandchildren? What, 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 what's going to be the lasting legacy of, of my life as a, as a father, as a parent, as a, um, as a follower of Jesus? Some of you may be aware, but um, it kind of, uh, this week was um, Legacy Week. Legacy Week. Um, does does anyone even know what Legacy Week is these days? Just to wave the hand. Okay, we've got we've got about half a dozen people in the room that are aware of that. So Legacy Week is it was um, started actually a hundred years ago to this year, a hundred years ago, and Legacy was the formation of a group of returned soldiers from the Great War. And what they decided was um, there was many, many orphaned children as a result of the war in the country. And um, there was a lot of um, people who were uh, widowed 
wives had lost their husbands in war. And also there was a number of people who were disabled as a result of war, as of the wounds of war. And so these returned service people saw to it that they wanted to establish a, a work that would care for the widows and the children and those who had been injured in the Great War of um, 1914 to 1918. And this year, being the 100th year, this year over 100,000 war widows and 1,900 children and people with disabilities will benefit from the money that legacy has collected and raised. You, you might often go into a shopping centre and, you know, you'll see a couple of the guys sitting there with a, at, a, at a table in their fold-out deck chair with a little legacy badge. Would you like to buy a badge for legacy? This is what legacy is. And it's interesting, isn't it, that I don't know, well, I don't, I think, I don't think there are any more survivors of the Great War. I, I think the, the, the last survivors of the Great War in 1914 have now passed away. So they've established this work back in 1923 uh, uh, that's still going 100 years later. There's this sense of something's remained and will remain, um, and that's a legacy. And so this week is Legacy Week. Now, as followers of Jesus, um, being in relationship with him as our king and as our God, I'm asking myself, what's the legacy I'm going to be leaving behind that's flowing out of my relationship with Jesus? And will it go into the generations? Can, will it, from a hundred years from now, be still finding foundation and life into and effect into the generations. You know, when we got saved, when we gave our lives over to Jesus, we got caught up into his legacy. Jesus has a legacy. And the, the legacy of Jesus is, is um, his, his ministry and his mission. And it's also to the greater glory of his father in heaven. He wants everyone to know his father. This is the legacy of Jesus. So let's jump onto the next slide if we can. Here's the legacy of, of Jesus. Here we are some thousands of years down the road and this legacy is still finding its way into the world and into the hearts of people. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is his legacy, alive in you and me today, and alive through you and me today. What is the legacy that I will leave behind, that you will leave behind? What is the legacy that we as the people of Jesus will leave behind for the emerging generations. 
If you've got your Bible, you might want to open it up to John chapter 15. We're going to read a chunk of John chapter 15 um, where Jesus is um, does uh, talking amazingly about himself. He refers to himself as this vine and his father is this gardener that tends to the life of Christ and all those who would connect to him. And we're just going to talk a little bit about this today because I think anything that we're doing here right now is because it's flowing out of the faithful tending of God to the witness of Jesus through his church, through the ages, and even through us today. And so we're just, this whole idea of legacy and fruitfulness flows out of the love of God. So if you've got your Bible, John chapter 15, well, um, if not, it is up there on the screen. Jesus writes, he says this, he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I'll also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a bit stark, isn't it? If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Next slide, thanks. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servant because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. It's a really powerful invitation from Jesus into the relationship that he shares with God the Father. And then, you know, by invitation and grace and grace alone, we get drawn up into this this life-flowing relationship that God shares with uh, Jesus and Jesus with us, but there's a there's a word there that um, on the next slide there's a word that um, Jesus uses in verse sixteen. He says, "You didn't choose me; I chose you." 
I chose you. In other words, the initiative is on God's end. The initiative is on God's end. He, he, he was the one who looked at you and me and got up and did something about it. He came to us. He chose us. Um, it's a bit like out of all of the – it's really wonderful, you know, in the, the longer story of God through the people of Israel, he talks about how God, out of all of the different people groups in the world, he just, because of the affections of his heart, he chose this peculiar group of people called the Israelites. He chose them. And he said, you know what? Through you, I'm going to bless the world. Well, now, what was, what was, was there something better? What, did they smell better? Did they have better, I don't know, better meals? Did they have better food? I mean, what was the qualifier? Why did God choose them? Well, because that's what God did. He, he was captured by them. And he decided they would be the ones. He came to them. He chose them to be the vessel of his blessing to the world. Now, we all know the story. They did okay. They did terrible. They, they had some successes and a bunch of failures, a bit like you and me. All of that. But in the end, what he does is he says, okay, you guys, <clears throat> the blessing's getting clogged up here. You're not really learning how to live this and give this away to the world. And so he sends Jesus. Now, through Jesus, Jesus says, I'm choosing everyone. I'm choosing everyone. So you can take all of those moments when in the schoolyard you had to line up to play the game and they picked two captains and, they, and the captains would go, I want, I want so-and-so. And the other captain would say, I want so-and-so on my team. And then you'd be standing in the line going, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be on that team. I want to be on that team. You know, all that schoolyard anxiety that, that's just, you know, lived in our lives. If someone would just pick me, I could be a better employee than them if they would just pick me. Well, you can let all of that go. Because what, God, what happens is in Jesus, God chooses you. And he chooses me to be this vessel of his blessing. Now, the idea of choosing is um, an interesting one because it, it, it's not, not so much about just a, I pick you. It's not so much of a, a, a it, it does include that, but it also at the same time as I, I choose you or I pick you or I move towards you, it's I'm moving towards you because I want to at the same time set you up and establish you into a whole new way of life. It's not just, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're awesome. Come and join my team. God's in part doing that. He's saying, come into the kingdom of God through Jesus. But he's also saying, I'm choosing you. And in the fact that you're coming to me now, because I have chosen you, I am going to set your life into a whole new way of living. It's the two sides to the one coin. Choosing and establishing all at the same time. So as we say yes to God, 
You know how he kind of invades our life and he just keeps getting closer and we find ourselves in the corner saying, all right, all right, your love's too much. (laughs) You know, I yield to you. I know you're good and help me get over all my rubbish and wrong thinking and set me free. As he comes towards us, we actually then begin to have our lives set free, delivered and established into a whole new way of living. You and I are not here by chance. We are not the leftovers. We are not the second best. Jesus Christ, God revealed, says, I choose you. Who are we turned to? in the hope that we would feel recognised? Who are we looking to in the hope that we would get a sense of significance? How hard are we working in the hope that maybe one day I might get the acknowledgement of the work that I'm doing? Where are we looking? Well, God says, I choose you. Has your heart heard that? Has, your, has, has the eyes of your heart been enlightened to hear that? By the power of the Holy Spirit, God says, I choose you. If that lands, that will radically transform your life from the inside out. I mean radically transform Everything from our sense of identity, our sense of um, belonging, and our sense of purpose. Everything. Why? Because God took the initiative. God loves you. God loves you. He says through Jesus, I'm choosing you. And he says it to everyone. Paul said it like this in Ephesians. This is an cracking message in the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesian church. He says, for he, that is God, chose us, you and me, in him, Jesus, before the creation of the world. In other words, it was the will of God that through Jesus, all of creation was established. And in that act, as the word of God went forth, And the Spirit of God and the Word of God collided over creation, over the waters, creation came. And as creation came, God is saying in that moment, I am choosing my creation to be the ones through whom I will rule and reign. God says, I chose you before the very creation of the world. That'll stretch your brain if you give it some time. It might even warp your worldview a little bit if you let it. To think that God would choose me before the creation of the world. And then later on in the New Testament, further on, Peter, in his letters to the church, he says this, we are a chosen people. So hang on a minute. So Paul's saying, while he says God, he, he, he says it in the plural, God chose us. In other words, 
he chose Nicole and Michael. He chose Nicole and Michael and Sharon. All at the same time while he chose Jacob and Caitlin and Mark. So when he says, I chose you, we hear it as singular. It is singular and collective all at the same time. I choose you. That's why Peter writes, he's, you are a chosen people. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. In other words, God gives you your sense of belonging because he's chosen you. And that makes you royalty to God. That's pretty full on, isn't it? To think that God would choose me. So when God comes calling, what he's saying is, I'm choosing you. Next slide, thanks, Craig. And he, then he goes on and he says, and I've also appointed you. In other words, I haven't chosen you to go and sit on a bench. I haven't chosen you because you're not the A team. You're actually the B team, so just take a seat. No, 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 no. I've chosen you because I have appointed you. I've, draw, I've, draw, I've come to you and I've chosen you. And as you're saying yes in response to my love for your life, it's now being established in a whole other foundation, values, worldview, and supernatural power. I'm establishing you, and now out of that, I'm appointing you. When God comes calling, he's saying, I've chosen you, and I'm appointing you. It's an interesting word, that one, appointing being grafted into Jesus, into a relationship with him, we can experience the legacy of God's love through Jesus of freedom for all people. Doesn't This, this is not just some kind of value add to our daily life. It's not a value add. We always, we've got this lens. We always just listen to everything. Is this going to add to my life or subtract? That's the lens that we live with. Is this a value add? That's why the marketing companies. And if you get this now, we will give you this, thus and so. Get your solar panels here and we'll also throw in a battery. You know, value adding. It's always value add. This is not value adding to our lives. This is quite the opposite. Oh, hang on a minute. Appointing. No. God is saying, in this, in this saying yes to my love for you, in my choosing of you, in my establishing a whole new life for you, I'm asking in the process of that, will you give me your whole life? And in exchange, in complete exchange, I will give you my life. Give me all of who you are and I'll give you all of who I am. That's what's going on when God says, I'm choosing you and I'm appointing you. Don't just give me, don't just give me your money unless you give me your heart as well. And don't just give me your heart unless you give me your money as well. And don't just give me... Um, a per, your personal relationship. 
Give me your relationship. Give me your marriage relationship. Give me the parenting relationship that you share with your children. Give me your workplace relationship. Give me all of who you are. This is not a value add. This is a complete exchange. God is saying, in my choosing you, I am asking that you give me all of who you are and I will give you all of who I am. Jesus is 100% the representation of who God is. And in the mystery of it all, Jesus is also 100% the, the perfect representation of what a human being is. And so God's saying, will you let me give you what a human life is truly meant to be, even as you see it in my son Jesus? We're not talking about value adds. We're talking about complete exchange. When God says, I'm, I'm appointing you, he's saying, come, let go and let me. Where is God in your life, in this moment, in your season of life, in the choices that you're making, with your time, with your relationships, with, with your resources, where is God saying to you? Where are you hearing the whispers of the Holy Spirit to say, give it up. Let the exchange happen and let God be king. That you and I might have a flourishing fruitful life. Where's the rub? Where's the rub? Where's that going on for you right now? Because God, when he calls, he's appointing. I love the words of John in, in a bit earlier in his writing there in John 3, 3. He says, very truly, I tell you this, Jesus said, no one can see this kingdom of God unless they are born again. Something has to happen. The, there needs to be an exchange of our life for the life that God is offering us through his son, Jesus. Is God calling you? Are you feeling the whispers? Are you hearing the whispers? Are you getting the nudges of God in your life circumstances where he's saying, I'm choosing you and I'm appointing you. I'm I want to establish you, but you must be born again. Next slide. Thanks, uh, Craig. The great invitation in all of this too is that God says, I want you to be a carrier of my love, of my legacy for the sake of the world. God wants you, he's choosing you and me and us to be carriers of his legacy of love into the world. That Remember, the, the legacy looks like Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, set the captives free, bring sight to the blind, and announce Good news, it's the, it's the time of God's favour. But so, so God calls, when he calls, he, he, he invites and appoints, and then he says, now, you've received the legacy, go and live it. Live the legacy. 
Jesus uses the words, here's my command. Here's my command. So what, what we're saying is when there's a command, what we're saying is, hang on a minute. Am I willing to recognize there's an authority structure here? Who gets to have the say over who we think we are? A command is a contextual word that says, hang on, there's an authority structure here. And in this case, Jesus is saying, once, once you've welcomed my choosing love into your life and you've realized I'm establishing you for a whole new way of living and I am now appointing you and appointed you because you've given over everything and my life is yours now, he's saying that we're saying that, yes, you, you Jesus, you now get to be the king. You get to be the king. You get to be the one who has the say. He's the one that has the command and the authority. It's into him that we've been born again and into his kingdom. And what's his command? Just get on and love people. There's nothing about behavior management in that. It's let the legacy of the love of God that has now you have now been drawn up into, let that now like permeate your whole life to the point where it spills out of your life and into the life of others. And he uses these words. I've appointed you in John 15, 16, so that I've chosen you and appointed you so that. So that you can... Feel good about yourself? Well, yes, because you become a whole new creation. You stop hating yourself. That's a wonderful gift from God, isn't it? You no longer have to hate yourself. There's no more condemnation, both from the kingdom of darkness or from ourselves. We don't listen to that anymore. No, no, we are a whole new creation, born again by God. We're a loving masterpiece, a piece of artwork that, like, no other, like you, you just have a good look at Corey Geeskin's head. Have a good look. There is no more wonderful piece of God artwork in the earth than that right there. That, that, that's, that's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. And that's the joy of it. And that's the freedom of it. That God's, we are God's artwork, God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Go and bear fruit. Go and be the legacy of love that will last. That will last. In other words, that word, that will last, it's, it's both a, a kind of a, a chronological word. It's like a word that means over the times, but it's also a word that's bigger than that. It means eternal. It, it means beyond our ability to you know, chronologically map this thing out. We are now connected into something that is, remember, before, from before the creation of the world. We have been drawn up into something that is so supernatural and so bigger and so much more beyond than we can even think or imagine. This is, this is profound stuff. When God calls, 
when God comes calling. I love that little message that Christian gave the other week before he packed his van and hooked it back onto the back of his truck and started heading back to Western Australia to plant a church. They mobilized their whole life to come over here for 12 months to go back there to plant a church. They took their whole life, they, they, they reduced it to a caravan and went, came and gone again to go and start. When God comes calling, how will we respond? When God comes calling. Our lives are no longer characterized by the value systems of this world. Our lives are no longer characterized by the accumulation of material stuff to make ourselves feel more comfortable or in control. No, no, no. We've exchanged all of that for the kindness of God's love in Jesus towards us. There is where the fruit is. it comes from, from Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus said in, um, in uh, Matthew 28, he said, Now, everything... Everything in heaven and on earth has an authority structure to it. And I'm now the king, the risen, resurrected one. I've defeated death. He's saying this from a position of resurrection. So he's taken on the powers of darkness that tried to have him crucified and die. He took that on. And he took on those powers and at the same time all sin and brokenness. And in his resurrection, he's now on the third day, he's risen up and he's, he's alive again and it's in the, the historical account is there for us and he's even visited you and me by the power of his spirit. He is alive and as the risen, resurrected, ruling king, he now says every bit of authority structure in heaven and on earth, it's been given to me. I hold the authority now. And he says, now, go. Go and live and make disciples. People that live the legacy of Jesus' love into the world. Go and make more people that do what I do baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. What's the command? Love. Love like Jesus loves. That's the command. Everything I've commanded you. Jesus said, I sum up everything in this one command. Love each other. Love God and love others. And he says this, and, he said, and, and then he says, and surely, in other words, don't forget. That's why we need to have the bread and the cup regularly when we get together, because we forget. But he says, don't forget, I am with you. I am with you unto the very end of time as we know it. And into eternity. I'm with you. You got it. I'm with you. Am I living the legacy of love? Where am I drawing my sense of purpose from in this moment? Am I willing to take one more step towards God, towards others, toward the lost, the poor, the brokenhearted? The sick, the demonized, the oppressed. 
am, am I willing to just take one more step? Because remember, in my saying yes to Jesus, I've stepped into the fact that he's chosen me. I am God-chosen, God-appointed, and God-authorized to go and love every single one of these circumstances. And in fact, it's God's good plan that from before the creation of all time, we would be the ones who through his kindness in Christ would take his love to the, work, to the ends of the earth. Am I willing to take just one more step towards Jesus? Chosen, appointed, living the legacy of love. Next slide, thanks, Craig. God's calling. God's calling. God's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling us. For the sake of our life, for the sake of our life, and for the sake of our life as a community and as a region, he's calling He's calling. I had a, to finish with this, I had a, um, next slide, thanks. I just had a, just a wonderful little conversation the other day with someone, just by happenstance, just passing in the, in the hallway and, and, and they were just sharing with me how they had this longing to want to be more involved in the supernatural work of the power of God invading people's lives. They want to be a part of seeing the fire of God transform people's lives. And I was like, oh, you and me both, you know. I want want to be there as well, you know. I want to be a part of that as well. And and, and as we, we were sharing and talking together, but one thing became very clear to me as I was listening to the person that was sharing with me, there seemed to be, from what they were expressing, where they were, and what they were wanting to participate in, it seemed like for them there was a gap between where they are and what they want to experience. It was like there was a gap. And at times, sometimes the gap in our life between, oh, God's putting something in my heart to actually living it out, sometimes we think it's a big leap. It's a massive thing to be, you know, navigated. When, and as I was talking with them, it was just like the Holy Spirit was just showing me and he just kept saying to me, Kirk, it's just one more step closer. Just one step. Like from here to here. Now, if you've never noticed anything about walking, it's, you know, it's left foot, right foot. But to actually walk, you need to be off balance up here to be able to move the opposite leg. It's actu- you actually have to be off balance. You have to risk moving all of your weight, that one step, into this new spot. I have, and, and then to take the next one, you then have to take all of that and then move it into this new spot. And trust in the moving, in the moving, you trust that your foot will find firm ground and you can then put all of the weight of your body onto that foot and realize I'm now in a new space. 
that's what happens when we walk. We literally are constantly tripping over ourselves, risking that we'll keep standing. That's what walking is. I know you may not have thought of it like that before, but that's what's going on. So when God comes calling, he's saying, my love is for you. I'm appointing you. Would you go and love the world? He's saying, would you allow your life to risk leaning forward enough that you'll become off balance and out of balance enough to move into a new space? Will you trust me with that next one step? That's what disciples do. They just keep taking one more at times, it seems like risky, crazy step of saying, I'm going to love like Jesus loves. Let's stand and pray.